0: Drive time keeping you informed and inspired.
1: We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him, getting you started on your day
0: with the latest in breaking
2: news and information from the Vatican to the White
0: House and everything in between. It's
2: serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic drive time.
3: And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. The feast of St. William of Vercelli, a nobleman born in 1085 in Vercelli, Italy, had a deep longing to renounce the world and live as a hermit. At a young age, he built a hermitage at Mont Mont Vergine where his sanctity and miracles attracted numerous disciples. A community formed around him and a church dedicated to Our Lady was erected on the site. An extraordinary phenomenon was observed at the monastery, and according to the rule, the monks were forbidden to consume meat, eggs, milk, and cheese. And whenever someone attempted to bring forbidden food into the monastery, storm clouds would appear in the sky, and lightning from heaven would destroy the illicit items. Now these events, which demonstrated God's desire for the traditions of penance and austerity upheld by St. William, Highlight the beautiful harmony and contrasts of the Middle Ages. The Catholic Church in that era not only fostered intellectual pursuits, but also emphasized manual labor and encouraged both active and contemplative lives. Upon St. William's death on June 25th, 1142, his institution ceased to exist and the monastery was handed over to the Benedictines of Monte Cassino. In reverence to St. William, these Benedictine monks adopted the white habit of his order, displaying their love for tradition and their hope for the restoration of the order of St. William. From St. William's life, we can draw inspiration, we can emulate his unwavering trust in divine providence even when he was excluded from his own order and we can aspire to possess the same wisdom and humility that he exhibited while advising the King of Naples. St. William of Vercelli, pray for us. Happy Wednesday to you. Congratulations. You are halfway through the week. Can you believe it? It's already Wednesday. The week is flying by super fast. I hope that you're having a blessed week so far. Joining us right now is our co-host Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Tito.
4: Good morning, Adrian. Yeah, it's Wednesday, Hump Day. It's great. Uh, what an ins- you sound
3: excited? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Wednesday. It's great. Uh, oh
4: my, yeah. My, my bad. I was just reading uh, the William and his austerity, Saint William. What, what an inspiration! But. Uh, yeah, I, I worked in the. It's been pretty hot the last couple of days, and I feel drained from it because I've been doing some uh, outdoor uh, shopping, trying to get fix up my lawn and, and do a little gardening. So I've been going a lot to Lowe's, Home Depot, those kind of places, and all that gardening stuff is not in the air conditioned warehouse; it's
3: outdoors. So yeah, right now it's just not. It's such bad weather. In, <laughs> it is in the Houston area, anyway. I don't know what it's like in. Elsewhere, I'd be curious. You know, it's funny, people always say, uh, Houston is the only place where we um, will actually genuinely just sit down and talk about the weather because it's just like it's just so bad. <laughs> the weather yeah. is not fun, not a very fun situation that we find ourselves in. It's like it was like, oh, I, like a hundred degrees the other day, and yes. I was just like, this is ridiculous. I just don't want to be outside. So it's it's pretty rough. It's, it's pretty rough, not going to lie. Kind of The heat drains you, too. It, it, it just sucks the energy out of you, and you're like, oh, I'm done. I'm done for the day. So God bless all the men who go out there and work in the sun and that are working on a construction and whatever else, um, whatever it is that you're doing that's outdoors. God bless you, man. God bless you because that is a uh, – that's, that's real work right there, and getting your hands dirty and the sun on your back. Whoo, Whee. may God bless your work. We definitely need more people to do things like that.
4: I, I could just imagine what it is in Alabama, the Panhandle
3: of Florida, uh, and and the other parts of Texas. Goodness gracious! Yeah, I know. Can you imagine those uh, the weather? Like it was in San Antonio. The weather in San Antonio was really bad. Whenever we moved, whenever we went there for the march, I was like, "This is this is rough." But it was good. Praise be to God. Praise it's, be to God. It's good to be able to have those situations. So hopefully everybody's staying hydrated and shaded and staying cool, getting some air conditioning every once in a while, hop in the car and get that uh, air conditioning for a little bit. But definitely make sure you keep yourself safe. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be discussing a couple of things. A business a business in California hires a fake priest to hear the confessions of employees. That's very concerning. The Knights of Columbus are hosting a mass at the Freemasons auditorium what that's weird california is uh is also there they put a a man into the women's prison after committing murder multiple times so if you're a murderer we still got to respect your pronouns apparently and then at (laughs) 30 past the hour judge the par is going to be on to discuss clarence thomas a very interesting uh, man, Clarence Thomas, is, and so we're going to be talking about him. And in the next hour, Adam Bly is going to be on to discuss the uh, cult in popular culture. So that's going to be coming up in the next hour. Plus, of course, we have our Fear and Trembling game show, and you can call in. Just make sure you are ready to get that number down in the next hour. So let's begin with prayer. We pray, of course, today in a special way this uh, this week. I'm praying for my uh, my grandmother's brother, Jose Luis Guerra. Who is going to be uh, who passed away last week, and his funeral I believe is today. My mother and my father just drove down to for the funeral there in the valley, and uh, there so they're making that trip. So prayers for everyone that's traveling across Texas for this funeral, and a prayer for the repose of Jose Luis Guerra, and for all of our my family and friends who have uh, been affected by this uh, tragedy. So we'll be. Praying for those intentions, Uh, especially we also be praying for the virtue of humility over the vice of pride. We pray for our friends, family and benefactors and all those. We promise to pray for whatever it is that you have going on this week, uh, whatever losses that you've experienced. We're praying for that as well. And of course, we're praying for the smashing of the LGBT heresy in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. My loving Jesus out of the grateful love I bear thee and as a reparation for all my unfaithfulness. I give thee my heart, and I consecrate myself wholly to thee. And with thy aid, I propose never to sin again. Heart of Jesus, burning with love for us, inflame our hearts with love of thee. Let us pray, Lord, we beseech thee, let thy Holy Ghost enkindle in our hearts that fire of charity, which our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, sent forth from his inmost heart upon this earth, and will that it should burn with vehemence, who liveth and reigneth with thee, in the unity of the same Holy Ghost, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your Headline News with Tito Edwards. Good morning.
4: You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, June 28th, Anadomini 2023, and these are your headlines. LifeNews.com is reporting an elderly Michigan abortionist is accused of running over a pro-life advocate with his vehicle last week outside a Saginaw abortion facility, breaking the man's leg. Mark Zimmerman, a pro-life sidewalk counselor, told Live Action News that his tibia was fractured and he is using a wheelchair until he has surgery to place pins and screws in his leg. LifeSite News is reporting well over 250 Muslim and Christian parents, children and other pro-family citizens gathered for the second straight weekend in Canada's largest western city to protest the ongoing promotion of LGBT ideology in public schools. LifeSite News is reporting Ireland expected to pass anti-Catholic bill criminalizing prayer outside abortion facilities. According to reports, anyone repeatedly protesting outside an Irish abortion facility could face a €2,500 fine or six months in prison. And finally, Catholic World News and Catholic News Agency are reporting German police searched offices of the cologne... Archdiocese on June 27th seeking evidence that Cardinal Rainier Maria Wolke might have given false testimony about his knowledge of clerical abuse. A spokesman for prosecutors that any new evidence uncovered by the search could either support or disprove charges of lying under oath against the Cardinal. He added that Cardinal Wolke is not being charged with covering up or participating in any acts of abuse, Cardinal Volke has twice offered his resignation after it became known that he declined to publish an internal report. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all.
3: The Gospel of the Day comes from Matthew 7, verses 15-20. through Be on your guard against false prophets, men who come to you in sheep's clothing but are ravenous wolves within. You will know them by the fruit they yield. Can grapes be plucked from from briars or figs from thistles? So indeed, any sound tree will bear good fruit. Well, any tree that is withered will bear fruit that is worthless. That worthless fruit should come from a sound tree or good fruit from a withered tree is impossible. Any tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I say therefore that it is by their fruit that you will know them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Alapide had a lot to say here. He says, Beware of false prophets. Christ passes on to a most salutary admonition concerning the taking heed of false teachers who teach that the way to heaven is not straight, but easy, and who thus sends those who follow them not to heaven, but to hell. They teach that we need not fast, nor go to confession, nor preserve virginity, nor religious vows. They allow all sorts of liberty to the flesh and take away all merit from good works. Now, this passage here is very important and very uh, telling in our day, because notice what he says here. He says, those people will try to tell you that the way to heaven is not straight, but easy. That it's not difficult to get to heaven. So, if there are people who are telling you, no, no, going to heaven is easy, it's super easy to get to heaven, don't even worry about it. In fact, we have a reasonable hope that all men are saved. In fact, we have a reasonable hope that Jews, Muslims, Protestants, and pretty much every Catholic is going to heaven. If someone tells you that, they are false prophets. They are trying to lead you astray, they are trying to teach you something that is not going to lead you to heaven. But as Cornelius Alapide says, it instead will lead you to hell. And they teach people who say, oh, we don't need to fast anymore. That's so medieval. If they say, no, going to confession, no, we don't need to do that. Just confess directly to God. Oh, preserving virginity, ah, that's so outdated. We don't believe those things in the church anymore. All these things are false teachings. Now, the sheep's clothing, which these wolves put on, are to veil their errors and heresies first, under the plea of liberty of conscience, and second, by quoting the texts of Scripture that serve to favor their heresies, third, to the pretext of reforming the morals of the church, especially those of clergy and ecclesiastics, fourth, by the simulation of meekness, simplicity, and piety, and fifth, by soft speeches and a garrulous eloquence by which they cover their wolfish ferocity. Now, notice these are five ways in which these people try to veil their errors. And notice what, the, what number one is, the plea of liberty of conscience. Has anybody have you ever heard anyone say that before? Say things like, oh, you just got to follow your conscience. Well, if your conscience says you have to do X, and I guess you have to do it. And uh, what is about number two there? By quoting the text of Scripture to serve to favor their heresies? Have you ever heard a heretic quote, Scripture, in order to defend their heresies? Of course you did. Of course you have. They do it all the time. Another one, the third one he mentions here, the pretext of reforming the morals of the church, especially those of the clergy and ecclesiastics. Have you ever heard anyone saying, oh, well, maybe we need to have married priests? Oh, what if if we let women get ordained? Women have deacons, women priests. Oh, we need to allow priests to have a more lax morality. We need to be buddy-buddy with Father. These kind of reforming of the morals of the church. Saying, oh, contraception? Yeah, we're okay with that now. It's very, very interesting. And they say that it's a reform. We're not changing the church teaching. We're just getting up to date. And the fourth one here, by the simulation of meekness, simplicity, and piety. How many priests or Religious that are wolves in sheep's clothing come off as very caring, very loving. They pretend to be very charitable. Oh, yes, I am I love these people. I, I just want to be nice to people. We should just be nice to people. And they hide behind this simulacrum of meekness, simplicity, and piety. But really, they are wolves. And then finally, by soft speeches and garrulous eloquence, by which they cover their wolfish ferocity. Now, this is very common. We see people who are heretics speak very well. <laughs> what about the uh, mega church pastors? What about the Joel Osteens of the world who speak very well? They say things that tickle the ears. And yet they are wolves in sheep clothing leading people far, far away from the truth. So let us ana- uh, look at the teachings of these people. Let's see the, the morality of these people. Because false doctrine and bad morals usually go together. So if we see one, whoo, it's a good chance there's a number two is following nearby. Walks like a duck. So we'll be right back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be talking about a a Californian store hiring a actor to pretend to be a priest. Yikes. We'll be right back with more after this.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising
0: at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale
1: Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, You might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the encyclopedia, is meant for everybody, and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church
0: is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at
3: www.chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Now, this is a pretty wild story. It's almost a situation where you you gotta gotta laugh or else you're gonna cry or or be infuriated. And this story made me incredibly angry when I was reading this. I'm just. Uh, kind of fuming reading this story. It's it's really despicable to see something like this. Uh, California Taqueria chain fined $140,000 for hiring a fake priest to hear workplace confessions. This employer, despicable attempt to retaliate against employees were intended to silence workers, said regional solicitor of labor Mark Piloten. Now, this is reported out of Timcast News. It says... U.S. Department of Labor fined Che Garibaldi Incorporated, so if you ever heard of them, stay away from their business. They should get shut down, $140,000 after launching an investigation into the business in November of 2021. Now, I can't believe this happened in 2021, and I'm just now hearing about this. The company owns three Takaria Garibaldi locations and hired someone to pose as a priest and, quote, get the sins, unquote, out of the staff members by offering confession during work hours. The person posing as a priest asked employees various questions about their workplace conduct, including whether they had ever stolen or if they had ever been late. The DOL called the fake priest plot, quote, among the most shameless, unquote, seen by federal wage and hour investigators, denouncing the scheme, As an act of workplace intimidation and retribution. Under oath, an employee of Takaria Garibaldi explained how the restaurant offered a supposed priest to hear their workplace sins, while other employees reported that a manager falsely claimed that immigration issues would be raised by the department investigation, said Mark Piloten, the regional solicitor of labor in San Francisco, in a statement. This employer's despicable attempts to retaliate against employees were intended to silence workers, obstruct an investigation, and prevent the recovery of unpaid wages. Now, the story goes on, and he says that the Los Angeles Times obtained a sworn affidavit from a Taqueria Garibaldi server, Maria Para, who described her conversation with the fake priest as to be, quote, strange and unlike normal confession. Huh, no doubt. Yeah. He asked if I ever got pulled over for speeding, if I drank alcohol, or if I had stolen anything. The priest mostly had work-related questions, which I thought was strange, I said. The priest asked if I had stolen anything at work, if I was late to my employment, if I did anything to harm my employer, and if I had any intentions toward my employment. Now, this is interesting because, generally speaking, the priests are not going to start interrogating you in the confessional. They're typically going to allow you to speak. And then they might ask clarifying questions about things you brought up, unless you explicitly say, hey, Father, it's been a long time since my confession. Can you help walk me through an examination of conscience? A priest might be willing to help you there. But a priest rarely, very rarely is going to start asking you, have you ever done X? Have you ever done Y? Have you ever done Z? He's not supposed to be accusing you. You are supposed to be accusing yourself. And the priest is supposed to help you make a good confession. And the way he helps you make a good confession is asking clarifying questions. So you say, oh, I've stolen. Oh, well, how much was it worth? He's not going to ask you, oh, where did you steal from? Oh, was it from your business? No, he's going to ask you, how much was it worth? Okay, you need to make restitution. That's what the priest will say. Now, obviously, depending on where you steal from, for instance, if you steal from the church, it actually becomes a graver matter and should be brought up in the confessional. But stealing from your store... Versus someone else's store as those two things would be about on par. And so you wouldn't need to divulge every last detail of the sin. So that no priest will be asking you those kind of questions. Now, the fine includes a $70,000 of back pay wages, as well as $70,000 of damages to 35 employees. And the company has also paid the DOL $5,000 in civil penalties. Now, this is not even close to what they should be getting. This should be in a just society. This place would be shut down completely. And every Catholic in, that, in, the, in San Francisco should be avoiding this business entirely. They should get shut down just by everyone not attending. What kind of nonsense is this? Now, the Diocese of Sacramento conducted its own investigation into the Taqueria Confessions in concluding that, quote, there is no evidence of any connection between the Diocese of Sacramento and the alleged priest in this matter, according to Brian Vistación, a director of media and communications for the diocese. While we don't know who the person in question was, we are completely confident that he was not a priest of the Diocese of Sacramento, they told a Catholic news agency. Now, here is the thing, one thing I want to say. One, I'm glad, I'm very happy that San Francisco came out and... Uh, did an investigation, and came out telling, explaining the situation. However, I think that the Diocese of Sacramento needed to come out like, like a firebrand and condemn this business and ask all Catholics to not attend these, <laughs> this, this business ever again. This is one of the most wicked of sins. They, I have to go back and check. I should have looked it up beforehand, but I'm pretty sure the uh, imitation of sacraments, the simulacrum of sacraments, is a excommunicatable offense, and if this man is a Catholic, I'm fairly certain. I gotta to double check this. I'm fairly certain that he's automatically excommunicated for uh, imitating a priest and performing the sacraments and uh, s- putting on an, a simiocrum of the of the sacraments.
4: Has the archdiocese issued any statement at all?
3: Well, just the one I just read. Oh, okay. but other than that, I mean, the, the I think they should go be much much more forward. I'm gotcha. glad they, they put out a statement saying that they, they have investigated and that it's not a priest of the diocese, which is good. But I think that they need to just completely condemn these people. And honestly, if it's not an excommunicable offense, I'm fairly certain it is. If you would look that up, it would be great. But if uh, but if it's not, it definitely should be. And the priest and these, man, these people involved should be excommunicated from the church. I just assume that they're Catholic because... Uh, a lot of people in in California are Mexicans they're Catholics and so i think that's very uh that's a, that's a big deal that's a big deal i don't know how why california keeps coming up in uh in these headlines because uh, the next headline here is transgender triple murderer is sent to women's prison dana rivers is behind bars with women in california now i don't know if dana is uh, david is his real name david is his name and he identifies as a woman, was convicted of triple murder uh, with Charlotte Reed, Patricia Wright, a lesbian couple in their late 50s, and their 19-year-old son, Benny, in Oakland, California, in 2016. And this man was put in prison with other women. With women. Not other women. With women. That's absurd. It's crazy to me that even whenever someone is the wickedest of people, Somehow, we are still required to respect their pronouns? We're still required to send them to these... What do you think a violent man is going to do in a women's prison? This is absurd. Just because you're in prison doesn't mean you lose every human right. You don't deserve, because you're in prison, to be locked in a room with a man, with a murderer... If this person is being sent to a women's prison, I pray that the women are in that prison are able to stay safe from this man. This is absurd. This is the craziest thing that we've seen. And this is not the first time we've seen this. We've seen this over and over and over again. And this happens all the time. But for some reason, every time it comes up, it always surprises me that no one is standing up. Where are the feminists at? Where are the women's rights activists at? Where are they? This is actually one point where I would stand behind the feminist, where I would stand behind the women's rights activist. I would be like, yes, this is actually a real women's issue. Instead, people are worried about the wage gap that doesn't exist. They're worried about wanting to push women into the workforce whenever they'd be, whenever their the the proper role is being a, a mother, and they want to send them into the workforce. And yet, whenever there's a real women's issue. They want to say, no, no, we're going to, we're not going to touch that one because that's a hot topic. That's going to offend people. People are going to be mad about that. Very, very concerning. And this would be rejected entirely. And California is just, whew, it it really needs God. California needs Fatima, as what I say. Now, this last story here is um, very, very serious. And I'm sort of shocked that this is being allowed. The Knights of Columbus to host mass in Masonic Auditorium at International Peace Garden. Now, this is very concerning for a number of of reasons, and not least of which is that the Knights of Columbus have been fighting for years saying that they are trying to distance themselves from the Freemasons because people are saying, oh, the Knights of Columbus are basically the Freemasons in the Catholic Church, which I don't believe at all. I don't think that's true at all. However, when they do things like this, how on earth are we supposed to say, yeah, that's um that's definitely a case. That's definitely not true. Whenever they're having liturgies in a free masonic building in North Dakota in the Canadian province of Manitoba, they're holding a mass of solidarity and friendship at the International Peace Garden and the Masonic Auditorium on the grounds of the park. This is, this is very bad, because there can be no peace between Catholics and, and the Freemasons. The Freemasons are the sworn enemies of the Church. They have sworn to destroy the Church. They have marched on Rome with an effigy of the Pope and being hung. The Freemasons have been condemned by the Catholic Church over and over and over again. And if any Catholic is a Freemason, you are automatically excommunicated, automatically for joining the Freemasons. And you must seek out your bishop for absolution. Freemasonic ideology is bad. It promotes the egalitarian nature. It, It seeks to destroy the church. And yet we're seeing Knights of Columbus holding this. And then what, who, what priest or bishop is being, is allowing this to happen? Because it says this year it has been scheduled for Sunday, July 9th in the Masonic Auditorium with Archbishop Richard Gagon, Gagnon of Winnipeg as a celebrant. Archbishop Richard Gagnon of Winnipeg is celebrating Mass at a Freemason Auditorium. And no one sees anything wrong with that. No one sees, hey, that's probably not a good idea. What if What if it was a an abortion clinic? And someone's like, hey, let's have a celebration. We'll use the abortion clinic as a venue. Would you, would you be like, yeah, no problem. It would be very bad, no? I would say it would be very bad, yes. This is a very, very concerning situation. And if you go and look at the building, the actual building itself is shaped like a Freemason symbol. So it's not like it's a generic building either. It's a ginormous building that's in the shape of the compass with the G, that symbol is the shape of the building. And yet we see Catholics promoting it. And just remember, Leo the thirteenth clearly said in Humanum Generis, let no man think that he may for any reason whatsoever join the Masonic sect. If he values his Catholic name and his eternal salvation as he ought to value them, let no one be deceived by the pretense of honesty. It may seem to some that Freemasons demand nothing that it openly nothing that it is openly contrary to religion and morality. But as the whole principle and object of the sect lies in what is vicious and criminal to join with these men and in any way help them cannot be lawful. We'll be right back with more after this.
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I don't know why
5: I turned on my radio, because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality.
6: The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
4: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, June 28, 2023 in the year of our Lord, and these are your headlines for this morning. Catholic News Agency is reporting Pope Francis on Tuesday accepted the resignation of the embattled Bishop Ritz Sticka of Knoxville, Tennessee. Sticka 65, was investigated by the Vatican for mismanagement of his diocese. He is also named in a 2022 lawsuit accusing him of protecting a seminarian accused of multiple counts of rape. The lawsuit also claims Stitka attempted to intimidate an alleged victim, a parish organist, into keeping quiet about alleged sexual assault by, by an unnamed person and having accused the alleged victim of being the perpetrator. Pope Francis named Archbishop Shelton Fabre of Louisville, Kentucky, as the diocese's apostolic administrator until a new bishop is appointed. Catholic News Agency is reporting the dictatorship of President Daniel Ortega and his wife, Vice President Rosario Murillo in Nicaragua, has set up the red and black flags of the Sandinista Liberation Front, the regime's political party, in front of the cathedral in Matagalpa. The Bishop of Matagalpa, Rolando Alvarez, was sentenced to 26 years and four months in prison, charged with treason to the homeland. Ortega has been in power since 2007. The Sandinistas are a socialist political party. In a statement to EWTN News, Martha Patricia Molina, a researcher and author of the report Nicaragua Persecuted Church, charged that obviously this is one more provocation from the Sandinista dictatorship against the Catholic Church in Nicaragua. Catholic News Agency is reporting while many Catholics across the country have expressed solidarity with Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, Following a formal investigation into him and his diocese ordered by Pope Francis, the East Texas prelate has not made any formal statements following the apostolic visit. He has, however, continued to post many tweets. It is unclear how many of his tweets are related to the investigation, however one directly addresses his supporters in which he thanked an organization for its support. Other than that, his Twitter feed is par for the course for the wildly, widely popular firebrand bishop, who is admired by many Catholics for his outspokenness against prominent modern-day issues such as abortion, gender ideology, and the political agendas of elected officials who blatantly disregard the sanctity of the unborn. And finally, 1440 is reporting Chicago, Detroit, and Minneapolis had the worst air quality in the world yesterday as wildfire smoke from Canada covered parts of the Midwest. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic
3: lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. Now, before we move on, I did want to bring up, because I, for some reason I didn't bring this up earlier, but I guess I figured it doesn't need to be said, but I guess it should be said nonetheless that... If anyone ever goes to a confession to someone who's uh, not a priest, that's not a valid confession. And you have to um, confess those sins again to a real priest in the context of a real confession. Uh, Those kind of situations are not valid. They're never valid. And so we have to keep that in mind. Very, very important uh, to do. Now, the other thing to note about this situation is that if you—is we have to be careful about where and how we go to confession and receive the sacraments in general. This is very important. I personally, and I've mentioned this before, but it's worth saying again, I don't go to confession. I don't go to mass anywhere except where I trust the priest, where I know and trust the priest. If I know and trust the priest, I will go to mass there. I'll go to confession there. Or it's a community that I know and trust. If it's a community that is has a reputation for orthodoxy and that I'll be familiar with, that I'd be more inclined to go to church there and receive the sacraments there. But otherwise, I don't. Because there's just so much insanity in the world that you just don't know. You just don't know these days. Especially when you see things like this California taqueria hiring an actor to pretend to be a priest. Like, that's even worse than anything we've seen so far. How they can pretend. They can just get somebody and say, yeah, that guy is going to be our priest. And he's going to... Hear your confessions; those are invalid. is very invalid because it's oh, it's both invalid and it's also malicious. Whereas, at least in a lot of these cases, where a priest was invalidly baptized and was giving the sacraments in that way, that typically in those situations they were unaware; they were not intending to do something wrong. They weren't intending to try to offend God. They just were put in a bad situation. Whereas this situation is, is pure malice. It's pure wickedness. A very, very disturbing situation with with that simulacrum of a of a sacrament. And I think more of this needs to be rejected. It's a very, very concerning situation that comes up, and I'm just always surprised how people, the wickedness of some people. And the same thing with the, the Knights of Columbus. Um, Knights of Columbus allowing themselves to, to do such, something so wicked as to go in and have a mass celebrated at a freemason venue. So if you're a, a knight of columbus and if you know a knight of columbus, if your friends the knight of columbus, if you ever see the knights anywhere, I highly recommend contacting your local knights and making sure that goes up the chain of command and you voice your concern because this is very bad. This is a very bad situation. I myself am a, a knight. I was uh made a knight back uh in 2020. I'm not incredibly active. My my knights council would probably just be like, yeah, Adrian, you're not a knight anymore. You just haven't been to anything in like three years. Um, but um, it's still still the case. It's still the case that this is a a very real and very bad situation. So make sure you reach out to your knights of Columbus circle, your council, and have that moved up the chain of command so that way people know that this is very very bad and that Father Michael McGivney would be absolutely flabbergasted about something like this because he created the Knights of Columbus in direct opposition to the work of the Masons in America. A very, very bad situation. So let's be Catholics. Let's be Catholics whole and entire. Let's not reject anything here, and let's pray for the conversion of these people who are doing such wicked actions but let's also take action. Let's also go up and encourage our other our fellow Catholics to to be faithful, because they won't be faithful unless unless they're pressured to. A lot of people. But joining us right now via phone is his his honor Amul Thapar. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. I have to correct me. He's a judge in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit and the son of Indian immigrants. He grew up in. Toledo, Iowa, Ohio, rather not Iowa, Ohio, and graduated from Boston College and the University of California at Berkeley Law School. Uh, good morning to you, uh, Mr. Thapar.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your show.
3: Well, praise be to God. It's good to have you. Now, it's very interesting to me. You put out a book defending or kind of showing the that what who Clarence Thomas really is, and I thought it was interesting to me because. I was actually talking to my mother during the Brett Kavanaugh situation, and she was like, yeah, it was crazy with the Clarence Thomas thing. And I realized that a lot of people were not woken up to the fact that people were lying about Clarence Thomas this whole time until the Brett Kavanaugh situation was so obviously a farce that – People are like, oh, well, maybe they're lying about Clarence Thomas, too. So let's start uh, with the with Clarence Thomas of who he is on his character. Uh, so tell me about th- this man.
1: Yeah. So as I talk about in the introduction to the book, Justice Thomas is a man of incredible character. And I think you see that just from the very first story I tell about Justice Thomas. In the book itself, I tell the stories of 12 cases. I think they captivate the reader, everything from vouchers to um, parental rights and everything in between, you can imagine. But with the introduction and conclusion are my own. And in the introduction, I tell a story of him walking out of daily mass. So he's a daily mass goer, and he's walking out of daily mass with a few of his law clerks who chose to go with him that day. And a homeless person comes running up to him saying, justice, justice, you're not going to believe I have another petition for you. I have another petition for you. And the clerks brace and they reach for the justice just instinctively, right, to protect him. And he shoos them away. And he goes to talk to the homeless man and they can see he's animated and he wants no one near him. And Justice Thomas and him are having a conversation. And Justice Thomas walks back to the clerks, and he says, you know, these are hard days for him. And they look at him, and they say, Justice, what is this about? And he says, a few years ago, he was addicted to drugs and, as a result, had a falling out with his mother. I counseled him to get clean, and about two years ago, he finally did. And then he reconciled with his mom. His mother recently passed away, and he struggled. And Justice Thomas is the type of person, and anyone that knows him, even his critics, if they know and meet him, they know he's the type of person that follows his faith to the final degree and that he treats all people, critic, friend, homeless person, people he meets in the RV parks when he travels the country,
3: the same. Wow.
1: And that, that character shines through in his jurisprudence.
3: Wow. we we'll have to go to a quick break. When we come back, I think that's a great look at his character. And When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about his work on the courts and share a few other stories about Clarence Thomas. We'll be right back with more right after this.
0: The this is Steve Glaser with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you know what are the two most common questions after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is the worship? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be supported by music and song the 2000 year history of catholic worship is primarily about the representing of jesus unbloody timeless sacrifice on every catholic altar it is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into jesus own body and blood we then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self whether sorrow or praise and thirdly my take the only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions that is did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love help us father Hey Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer?
5: The gospel of Luke.
0: Do we worship Mary?
5: No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us.
1: As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn,
3: love, and pass it on. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. We're discussing Justice Clarence Thomas. And it's very interesting to me because Clarence Thomas is so unique in the court because of his his very logical and consistent mind, is what I would say. And I think that's a very rare breed amongst just about anybody in our modern times. And so I'm very curious. Uh, joining us right now is his honor, the Honorable Amul Thapar, who's on to talk to us about a book that he just wrote defending Clarence Thomas, The People's Justice. Uh, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. And tell me about the background about Clarence Thomas. I'm just kind of curious about how he kind of developed in an age where you're not really taught logic and you're not really taught how to be how to think systematically in our modern world. What was his background in education like?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. So as I talk about in the introduction, he grew up in Georgia, and his mom made $10 a week, and she couldn't afford to raise him and his brother. So she gave a young Clarence Thomas and his brother to their grandfather to raise. And their grandfather was a man who raised children with an iron fist, but he knew something that Frederick Douglass said that will resonate and you'll see if we talk about it, later resonates in his jurisprudence, which is education means emancipation. So although his grandfather was so poor they slept on a dirt floor, he saved every dime he had to send the boys to Catholic schools. And Justice Thomas, from kindergarten through eighth grade, went to a school run by nuns. And he credits that. Those formative years where nuns would whack him with a ruler if he was out of line, so they kept him in line, where education came first, there weren't any alternatives. In the segregated South, his grandfather viewed that as the critical key to Clarence Thomas, a young Clarence Thomas succeeding. And that's where his most important years, he credits those nuns, with having such an important impact that he has been and there are pictures upon pictures of him meeting with the nuns through the years he never lost touch with them wow because they were so important to the formative years of his life
3: oh that's amazing
1: and what's go ahead what's interesting about about that is the reason I call him the people's justice is he never forgets people even in his cases and this formative Things transfers to his vouchers case when the vouchers come in front of the Supreme Court.
3: Now that's really interesting, and I want to get into that in just a second. But I just wanted to—I just kind of sparked my thought in my head while you were talking about that—is the fact that the I was reading this Dominican friar uh, from the 20th century, and I'm forgetting his name. I wish I could cite him, but he made a, a point that I thought that just kind of resonated in my head, and he said that. The study of logic is the uneducated man's defense against the tyranny of experts. And I thought that was very telling because they used to be taught in schools by in a lot of the Catholic schools, especially by the Religious Sisters, that the subject of logic, even at the youngest ages, and that's something that has almost been completely uprooted from the education system. And it's even typically an optional course if you decide to get a bachelor degree in logic. I mean, in philosophy, logic will be an optional course, typically. I think that's a very interesting situation. But I want you to jump into that case.
1: Yeah, so the case came out of Cleveland, and the schools were in such disrepair that 25 public school buildings had been condemned. And it's chapter two of the book, and the book takes you through the story of the district court condemning, the buildings getting condemned, Then the students complaining they didn't have toilet paper, they didn't have soap for their hands, they didn't have the basic necessities, the kids would come home miserable. And the book traces the chapter of the politicians and Governor Voinovich, who was the mayor of Cleveland, and turned the city around, but his one regret was not fixing the schools. And so he becomes governor, and he teams up with Bill Batchelder, the Speaker of the House, and Patrick Sweeney, the leading Democrat, even supported the voucher bill. They go, Bill Batchelder, who's known as in Ohio affectionately as the godfather of vouchers, goes to Cleveland and meets with the city council because he knows he needs local support, especially to overcome the resistance he's going to meet from the teachers unions. And so as he meets with the city council, and the book talks about these amazing people he met and their background. And one of them is this woman, Fannie Lewis, who I fell in love with because she was from the highest crime ward. And the quote I include in the book about her, and I include her entire background, and I think your listeners will enjoy reading about her. But the the quote I include about her is no one could jump her. She was the safest person in the highest crime ward. No one could jump her because if they did, she'd call their mother because she made it a point to know everyone But the schools were in such disrepair that the plane dealer said, and I'm sorry to use these words, I'm quoting from the plane dealer, the Cleveland plane dealer, society has gone to hell and the Cleveland schools went with it. Fifteen years worth of school superintendents arrive in Cleveland to announce that a whole generation of children has been lost. Hmm. And so what happened? They team up and Democrats in city council the Republican speaker, Bill Batchel, and Patrick Sweeney, and they team up with Bishop Pilla, the Catholic bishop there, to put together a voucher program. And the voucher program would allow you to go to community schools, magnet schools, or a private school, including about 42 Catholic schools. And then they get the program in place. The students take overwhelming support of it. When Patrick Sweeney, the leading Democrat who happens to be from uh, Ohio, Cleveland, is criticized, he says he had really harsh words. As I quote in the book, he said, they, these people who complain never send their children to public schools, but come out four square against vouchers. People who have an opportunity to write a check have a voucher in their pocket. What they don't want are children who are in this neighborhood and in the inner city. To have a checkbook. Hmm. This case, the district court suspends the program mid-school year. The students are ordered, basically, to go back to the public school, and, the, and the, the chapter goes through the drama of this in the book, The People's Justice. But what happens? Bishop Pilla, another hero, there's so many heroes in this chapter, it's going to blow you away. Bishop Pilla steps up and says, we don't have a lot of money being an in inner city, basically, diocese, but we are going to fund ourselves, all of these kids who have vouchers, until they get it right. Wow. This case goes all the way to the Supreme Court. Do you want me to tell you what happens? or?
3: Oh, for sure. It's, it's, let's wrap that story up. Don't leave uh, in suspense.
1: Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, and there's an incredible story about who argued it, and I'm going to leave that for another day. But I'm going to tell you what happened is the court upheld the voucher program, the first in its kind. I think your listeners will find this interesting. Justice Thomas, who's been criticized, right, is favoring the rich over the poor, the strong over the weak, uh, being a traitor to his race, points out this. The promise of Brown beat Board, he says this, it is doubtful that any child may reasonably expect it to succeed in life if he is denied an opportunity to an education. Yet in America, mm. Justice Thomas wrote, urban children have been forced into a system that continually fails them. And then he talked about the tragic irony that would exist if people converted the establishment clause into a document. To deny children the right to a satisfactory education, and then he—I'm quoting him again—at the time of the at the time of Reconstruction, blacks considered public education a matter of personal liberation and a necessary function of a free society. A century and a half later, the promise of public school education has failed poor inner-city black kids. Mm. And then he uses the quote, education means emancipation. And he says, no, and he's quoting Frederick Douglass. He gave him the last word in his separate writing. And he said, no greater benefit can be bestowed upon a long benighted people than giving to them, as we are here earnestly this day in endeavoring to do, the means of an education.
3: Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That is so true. I think that that cannot be overstated. Oh, well, what he just, uh, what you just quoted there, and unfortunately, this kind of brings us into a really great point. Um, but unfortunately, this has to be brought up anytime Clarence Thomas is brought up is the question of identity politics, of affirmative action, and of this whole idea of Clarence Thomas being a a race trader and all these things. It's a very unfortunate situation because Clarence Thomas is an absolute brilliant mind on his own, and he has to be dragged into the topic of identity politics. However, I think it's good that he stands against such uh, some silly ideologies. Tell me about this.
1: Yeah, so Chapter 3 talks about, and we're going to learn more this week, and I, I don't want to get too far down this road, but Chapter 3 talks about affirmative action. And it's about the Michigan case that is currently being considered at the court. And it walks through, I think the important thing that Justice Thomas never lose sight of, he didn't lose sight of. And there's a Twitter site, by the way, for the book. It's at C.T. Conn's stories. But if if they put in the people's justice, they'll find it. And what's included in there is the backdrop is the picture of the Cleveland parents. A picture of them at the Supreme Court saying, we need vouchers for our kids. In fact, the success of the program was remarkable. All of that's in the book. It will give all your listeners ammunition. The third chapter talks about affirmative action. And I'll make just two quick points so that I don't go on forever on this, because I could. Is One, Justice Thomas used this quote in another case, and he said – and. It's amazing to me, he said, that the courts assume that anything that is predominantly black is inferior. In other words, he's saying to the court, we don't need your help, to quote Frederick Douglass, and the name of the chapter is Do Nothing With Us, which is a quote Justice Thomas uses in the affirmative action case, again, quoting Frederick Douglass. The other thing, two other things he points out that are really, really important, although there's I could tell you there's 20 things, and we could spend an hour talking about this in that chapter. But two critical things he points out is, one, the chapter follows the voucher chapter because he points out you need to give kids a good K-12 education. If you do that, they'll be able to compete without discrimination. And the second thing he points out is when you lower the standards for one race, it's the soft bigotry of lower expectations. And so what happens? He says here the LSAT required for whites and Asians is one score and for blacks and Hispanics is another score. And what he says is what kids do, and we all know this, everyone that has kids knows this. If you set the bar at place A, they'll accomplish A. If you set it at a higher place, they'll accomplish place B.
3: Wow. I'm very Don't sorry, Your Honor. I'm very sorry. We're just about out of time. I had to, I'm, I'm gonna, We're going to have to have you back on because I am very, Tough very week, inspired by uh, what you're telling me about Clarence Thomas, and I think other people will be as well. But God bless you, and we'll hope to have you back on in the future.
1: Thanks. I hope they get the book. The People's
3: Justice. The People's Justice, published by Regnery. God bless you. God love you. We'll be back in just a minute. wasn't really in um, my faith. There was more to life than what I was doing. I walked into the church and I really believed that uh, putting my hand in the holy water that it was going to bubble over and the church was going to collapse and I was really nervous. I couldn't imagine life without being a part of the church. When I walk in the doors of the Catholic Church now, I feel alive, complete,
0: and at home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When determining specific moral truths, most Christian churches say they use the Bible. So it's safe to say that they have agreement on doctor-assisted suicide, abortion, contraception, and embryonic stem cell therapy. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a challenge for you. Speak with the five closest non-Catholic church pastors near to where you live. Inquire if they only use the Bible to determine their church stances on these issues. Secondly, my findings, there are some similarities. On abortion, but varied with two key exemptions. No common stance on embryonic stem cell therapy, contraception was accepted by all, and no across the board agreement on doctor assisted suicide. And thirdly, my comeback should these social issues of life really be determined through individual conviction? Well, maybe we should just leave the determinants of salvation up for grabs also. Remember, the ones Jesus called the least of these will always be in grave danger if their existence is left up to individual conviction. Finally, check the very stance of the Catholic Church on these weighty issues. It's impressive.
5: I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked.
6: The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Shining the light of truth on the path of salvation. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
7: Hi, I'm Kelly from Benedictine College. You're listening to AM 1430. K.S.H.J. Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
3: Thomas is such an inspiring man. I'm very impressed by his background, by his devotion to his faith, and by his consistency of mind. That's such a rare, rare thing to see. Yes. His consistency of mind, having able to think systematically, have an ordered mind. That's very good. Yeah, it's very good.
4: Logic and 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 uh, reason are very strong within him. I I was wondering if he took any of those rhetoric classes or logic classes, growing up, unless he's self educated in that aspect. Because most of us are rarely er, rarely ever get to that subject at
3: all in high school. Yeah, they don't teach the uh, these things in school too much anymore. Nope. But he did grow up in what the 40s 50s, I believe, and so he uh, he would have got that classic. Catholic education back then. That's true. Uh, so That's true. Very, very impressed. But joining us right now is Adam Bly. He's the host or co-host of The Spirit World that airs across the Guadalupe Radio Network and EWTN every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central. And good morning to you, Mr. Bly. Good
8: morning, Adrian. How are
3: you doing? I'm doing well. Praise be to God. It's very good to be here. It's the sun's rising, and every time I see the sun rise, I think of the rising of the Son of God. So it's a good day. It's a good day. Praise be to God. Now, cool. I was thinking of this yesterday. I was t- contemplating um, different topics in regards to the, the the spirit world. And one thing that kind of just kept on eating away at me was the so much of the pop culture and related to the occult. And I think a lot of times, I mean, there's the explicit ones like, I mean, there's Megan Fox coming out and saying that she is a witch and that she drinks the blood of her boyfriend and these things like that. Now that's very explicit and very bad, but I think a lot of it is very subtle things like doing things like yoga, things with crystals, things like manifestation and things like that. And that's kind of the more of the gear I wanted to bring up today. So let's uh, jump into that topic. What have you seen in regards to this kind of soft peddling occultism in popular culture?
8: Yeah. Um, I think there's two issues. One is we don't catechize the youth much anymore about why these things are a problem. I think a lot of people vaguely understand that, you know, Ouija boards are bad and witchcraft is bad, and they understand it in a vague way, but maybe not specifically why the Bible forbids those things. And then there's things like yoga that we have, it's become, I think, somewhat ingrained in our culture and normalized to the point where it's I think it's seen as a good even by uh, a lot of Catholics. The issue there is these are worship postures for Hindu gods. And, you know, depending on the branch of yoga that you're in, the intent is to awaken a spirit in your body, the Kundalini spirit, that will then cause involuntary body motions and animal-like vocalizations and other things and and people might say, like, well, I'm not into that spiritual end of the swimming pool with yoga. I'm just doing the physical exercises. But the problem is, almost inevitably, somebody's going to come around and start talking about mantras or projecting energy meditations. And it's going to become more and more kind of esoteric and metaphysical. And you're going to often end up in that deeper end of the swimming pool eventually. So and and I'm not just saying this as like a um armchair quarterback on this. We we've had cases of people that were deeply involved in yoga, not originally from here in the States, but from India, uh, that were, you know, born and raised in it and and came here to the States and had issues in life and got away from that and, and ended up entering the church. So I've been debriefed by people that are deeply involved in the real yoga as opposed to, you know, the shopping center, you know, place with just the physical exercises. So it, there's, there's a lot of layers to this, Adrian, but, but it's a real issue. And I think the main one is we need to catechize more. And that's kind of the point of, of the radio show that Deb and I are trying to do.
3: Absolutely, it's very good that you're doing this. And for those who are unaware, I'm pretty sure most people would be aware. But for those who are unaware, that Adam Bly, he works for the Diocese of Pittsburgh, and he is a paratus, a Catholic Church decreed expert on religious demonology and exorcism. And he's also currently working in Ken Law School. So I think those are very important to keep in mind I, that Mr. Bly is not just some uh, random dude claiming to to know about these things. He's intimately involved and familiar with it. And so he is an authority to speak about it. Now, we could spend the whole day talking about yoga, but I want to move over to this kind of I want to say maybe it's, and you can tell me, I've always, I'm kind of conflicted on whether or not this is bad or just kind of a bad tendency. And it's the kind of the question of the the use of the language of energies and vibes and so that is, it always just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It's like I always was a little uncomfortable when people are like, yeah, you're giving off bad energy or, yeah, that's such a bad vibe. I don't like this place. It's, it's giving me a bad vibe. And I kind of struggle to articulate why that makes me uncomfortable, why I don't like when people say that. So maybe you can help me there or tell me I'm crazy.
8: No, no. Um, you know, there, there's two. there's two possibilities there. One is there is a natural discernment kind of, you know, God has written certain things into our heart, things we talk about as divine law or natural law. You know, there's certain things we just intuitively know are not good. And that's built into us as human beings. There's also a certain amount of discernment of evil spirits built into us and also good. There's a discernment of good built into us and it varies person to person. So some people are sensitive to these demonic energies, these demonic spirits and their presence. And that's a gift that God gives to some people. Some, you know, charisms are given for ministerial purposes. Um, and so some people are sensitive to bad vibes when they're around, say, um, you know, satanic paraphernalia, witchcraft paraphernalia. And I'm talking about real devil worshiping stuff, not, you know, philosophical Satanism where they they claim they don't believe in the devil. But I mean, real black magic stuff. And, you know, I've talked with law enforcement uh, at various levels that have investigated occult crime scenes. They have felt that same bad vibe, that same creepy, uh, oppressive, threatening, spiritual feeling. So sometimes it's legit. Um, Now, where it becomes a problem is when people want to Increase that sense that what they would call as a psychic sensitivity or opening the third eye or other occult practices to become aware of the spiritual in an unhealthy way for selfish reasons. You know, I mentioned charisms are for ministry, God gives them for ministry for something good. There's people that want to get that sensitivity because they want power over other people they want inside information about situations places and people and so when you get involved in that stuff which usually leads down the road to astral projection where they think they can leave their body and spy on other people in situations you know you start down that road of i've got superpowers Hmm. and i get those superpowers from the dark side i cut deals to get them when you're cutting deals to get things and you're 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 owe oh, something to these spirits that 's your clue that you know you you 've entered into a destructive relationship wow
3: yeah that's that's very interesting and i and I can imagine uh, those things kind of appearing to happen to them and sort of like a a demon because they can have the swiftness of movement they can go and see other things then report back to you and make you think that you're being actually projected or something like that. I can imagine that being very easily the case now you mentioned something there at the beginning of your response about. How many people think that Satanism is uh, atheistic? That it's not real? That it's just a, a lot of people just trying to trying to grind Christians' gears? And I actually recently was talking to a friend of mine who was told this. and They were like, "Yeah, I was." Uh, one of my friends was telling me, "Yeah, these Satanists—they're not even real. They're just trying to provoke outrage." And uh, is this really the case? Are Satanism—is it a real thing? And what do we talk about when we when we mention Satanism?
8: Well, <clears throat> I think there's two versions of it. Um, There is the devil worshiping, truly uh, believing in the spiritual entity of Satan and seeking power through appeasing him or cutting deals with him in various ways. And uh, that goes back forever. But certainly here in the United States really goes back to the 60s where it became mainstream. Um, coming out out of uh, LaVey's Satanism in California, and the spinoff of that was the Temple of Set, and and those people are pretty well. There's a rapper, Adrian. Uh, a lot of times, there's like an outer veneer of we're not really doing blood sacrifices and horrible stuff because if you tell people we're doing this horrible criminal activity, they're not going to be attracted. Mm. But if you say this is just a way to re- have pleasure and not have guilt and it's a big party and it's going to be a good time and there's nothing criminal going on. Well, that's a lot more attractive. So often there's a wrapper on the outside that says it's just secular humanism. We're about human beings. We don't believe in spirits. We just want pleasure without guilt. But then at the deeper level, there's often, often real devil worship and real occult rituals and it it eventually leads down the slope into criminal activity where the rituals become pretty destructive and horrible and you could not do them in the public forum without getting arrested so it so again let me go back just a, a second there's there are people that are just secular humanists you know their philosophy doesn't include spiritual realities. And they would call themselves Satanists for various social reasons. You know, it scares people, it's um, impresses some people, Gets some attention. A lot of times it's attention grabbing. But I would say, you know, my guess is the bulk of the people that are seriously committed to this and are claiming to just be secular humanists are actually devil worshipers. Partly because why would you take on the burden of associating yourself with the father of lies, the father of murder, the king of all pedophiles. Right. Why would you take the burden of associating yourself with the monster that wants to destroy humanity? Mm -hmm. Um, if you're just a secular humanist, call yourself a secular humanist, say my philosophy is, you know, uh, pleasure and hedonism and leave it at that. Why do you need to associate yourself with, you know, the most horrible thing humanity's ever imagined? Um, it's a reality. I'm not saying he's imaginary, mm-hmm. but our imagination of what Satan is like is limited. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't have the ability to fully understand him, just like we don't have the ability to fully understand Jesus or God in
0: mm-hmm. our human
8: state. If we get to the beatific vision, we'd have a greater understanding of God, but right now we have a limited human understanding. So anyway, this is a rambling way to say um most of these people are playing nice on the surface Mm -hmm. and it gets ugly the deeper you get into it
3: no that's a great point especially considering the fact that satan is the father of lies and if you associate with him why should I believe you? <laughs> it's kind of crazy exactly. to think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just take them at their word. They follow. They claim to be children of the father of lies. Um, so, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, last question here when we have time is the question of crystals. Now, in my mind, crystals are one of three things. One, it's either just a rock and nothing happens and you're just messing with your mind. Two, they are real and it's probably, and it's natural and it's probably, it may actually work. And three, it's something spiritual and it's bad and we should be avoiding it. So what say you about crystals?
8: Well, I would actually start at level zero and that is, so you just tried three levels there. I would take it back to level zero and say, anytime you put faith and hope in an object other than God, That's idolatry. Mm -hmm. So whether this crystal is cursed or not, you have broken your friendship with God and said, I don't trust you. I'm gonna put my faith and hope in this rock. And so you violated the first commandment before you've even passed zero to get to one and even be concerned about whether it's cursed or not. Now, if you bought it from a new age shop, probably some rituals been done over it. You've got that extra layer of issues. And by the way, if you bring something home, And weird stuff starts happening in the house and flying around and noises and you can't debunk it. Try getting the thing back out of the house and see if it stops. That would be a clue that it has a spirit attached to it. Um, But the more important issue is your relationship with God. And if you violate the first commandment by saying this rock is my source of uh, relief and happiness and power and whatever else, uh, you've, you've said to God, I don't trust you. And so that's the more important part of that issue.
3: Wow. That's a great, yeah, that's a great concise answer. Unfortunately, that's about all the time we have. So if people want to hear more, because we barely get to talk like for 10 minutes, um, but you can hear Adam and Debbie every single Saturday at 10 a.m. across the Guadalupe Radio Network and EWTN with the Spirit World. Uh, But where can people stay connected with you, Mr. Bly?
8: Well, I have a website for the public called religiousdemonology.com, and that has a lot of basic information for the public. Um, and then the Spirit World has a Facebook page where we receive questions that we could um, possibly address on air.
3: Thank you very much, Mr. Bly. And that's going to do it. We're going to go into our game show, Fear and Trembling. So if you can join us, call now 877-757-9424, 877 877- seven five seven nine four two four. We're playing our game show Fear and Trembling and you could be the winner. How do you win? Just dial eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. We're giving away a book from Sophia's two
0: press, so call
3: now. We'll be right back
0: this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no commentary and it there secondly you gonna walk the disciples did not walk away from jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood they walked over how literally jesus was teaching them also they did not walk over the idea that feeding on christ's body and blood is feeding on the bible no 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 and thirdly your new response my catholic friend when you are asked hey have you received christ your answer is yes every sunday at mass that's how i know objectively that christ is in me
8: Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing Mass, and it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our, our lives are rich and full by being members of the Church.
0: If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org.
3: Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven ninety four twenty four. That's the number to call to be part of our game show Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. Eight seven 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 five seven ninety four twenty four. We always take the first caller. Whoever calls in first will be the contestant and have an opportunity to win the prize this week. You may be asking, what am I coming into? What am I going to play? What are we talking about here? Well, this is the Fear and Trembling Game Show, where I have three Catholic trivia questions. But the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the Catholic trivia questions. I'm going to ask Tito the tri- questions, and it's his job to tell me an answer. Your job is to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And so that means that even if you just guess, if you don't know the answer at all and you're just guessing, that gives you a 50-50 chance of getting the answer correct. And so how do you play? You just have to call in 877-757-942 more time since I messed that number up. 877 757 Nine four two four. We always take the first caller, and every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win?
4: Thank you, Adrian. The Fear and Trembling prize for today is a book by Sophia Institute Press called Thirty Days to Your New Life. In this no nonsense, refreshingly direct book, Anthony Distefano bridges the gap between personal development programs and Catholic spirituality. Read more at sophiainstitute.com. The mission of Sophia Institute Press is to provide substantial spiritual formation to help readers grow in holiness and in their knowledge of the Catholic faith.
3: There you go. Well, thank you very much, Sophia Institute yes. Press, for your generous sponsorship this week. Now, that number to call, 877-757-9424. Uh, one more time, 877 757 9424. And we always take the first caller, and you could be that first caller. What do you do to be able to be that first caller? It's very simple. I'm looking over to my left right now, and we actually do not have a caller on the line, which means if you pick up the phone now and dial 877 757 9424, you will in fact be the person who has the opportunity to win this week's prize, uh, which was generously sponsored by Sophia Institute Press. Now, joining us uh, right now is Denise. Good morning, Denise.
5: Good
2: morning.
3: Denise, where are you calling in from? Uh,
2: we're driving through Texas, Marshall, Texas.
3: You're driving through Texas. So where are you, uh, call, where are you from originally? Where are you driving to? Tucson, Arizona. Tucson, Arizona. Tucson. I love Tucson, Arizona. I'm going to take a trip out to Arizona. I may take one um, in August. I'm thinking maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Arizona seems like a very beautiful place to be.
2: The shrine, they just built the shrine on Mount Lemmon, the Byzantine Catholic Church.
5: Um,
3: Our Lady of Knot. Our Lady of Knot yeah wow okay i'm gonna have to look that up i'm writing that down as you speak actually because i want to look that up maybe i will take a trip out there you're convincing me uh, our lady yep. of not undoer of knots in arizona mount lemon there you go i found it that's really cool yeah you just put that on my yeah. uh, on my to-go list there you go <laughs> that's pretty neat uh, well right. thank you very much for that and so where are you off to today where are you heading to
2: we're back. We're going back home from Family Reunion in Virginia. Well, that's awesome. Whoa. Praise be to God.
3: We're going to a Family Reunion in Virginia from Arizona, driving through Texas. We'd love to hear it. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. Well, uh, are you, uh, who was in the car with you?
2: My husband, Dennis.
3: Good morning, Dennis. Hope you're uh, tuning in and you're uh, listening. Oh, we're not on the
2: speaker, though.
3: Oh, okay. Hope he is uh, listening in keenly so that way he can maybe help you out with uh, these questions. So I'm looking at these questions. I have to say... Well, um, two out of three might be easy. Two out of three might be easy. One of these might be a little difficult. Are you ready to play the game? Are you familiar with how the game works?
2: Um, well, I heard your instructions, and I have to guess if,
3: Yeah, um, It's if very you easy. Are, yep, you don't have to worry. Yeah, I have three questions. Okay. I'm going to ask Tito. He's going to give an answer. You have to determine whether or not he is trying to trick you. And so it'll be very easy. You have a 50-50 chance of getting each question correct. Are you ready to play? Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do question number one. All right. Tito. Yes. The question on the board. Who publicly burned a papal bull, which a papal bull is a letter from the Pope in Wittenberg, Germany in December of 1520. Uh, some might say Wittenberg German.
4: Wittenberg. Papal bull. So it's not a cow from the Vatican. It's
3: not. It's okay, not. Okay,
4: okay. Uh, well, we all know uh, he's uh, he's somewhere down under, but uh, his name's Martin Luther.
3: Wow. They, he moved to Australia. You say? That, well, <laughs> oh, different down under. Different, different uh, down oh, under, okay, underneath okay. the Earth's crust. Oh, Okay, got it. Got it. All right. All right. Well, that's uh, there. You go. Yeah. There you go. That's a good. That's a uh, good guess as to uh, what who this person could possibly be. Uh, Denise. Fifteen seconds on the clock. The question is: Who publicly burned a papal bull in Wittenberg, Germany, in December of fifteen twenty? Tito seems to think it's Martin Luther. What say you, Denise? Driving through Marshall, Texas.
2: Um. Well, it sounds like it sounds like maybe not. I'm not sure. But
3: are you sure you're going to go with he's with, with no?
2: Great. No.
3: No. Yes or no? No. <laughs> Final answer: Yes or no. Denise, <laughs> hello, Denise. Huh? Let's see. Well, Denise uh, no, is still on the line. Yeah, she's still I on, can the see line. Her on the line. There, but uh, she dropped off. Maybe she hit through a a rough patch in Marshall, Texas. But um, we're gonna go with that. She has uh, decided to say yes. I'm going to say that she says yes. That's, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Which is, in fact, correct. correct. That yes. is, in fact, correct. It yes. Is in fact, Martin Luther. Yeah. Uh, Denise, if you can hear us, um, maybe hang up and, and call back that number yeah. 877-757-9424 is the number. So if you want to call us back, you are welcome to do so. Uh, but I think we uh, we still kind of have you on the line. Yeah, we... but we can't hear you speak at the moment. So if you want to, you're welcome to uh, hop off and hop back on, or perhaps we can um, can give her a call back and M- drop her off the line and and give her a, a a ring and see if we can get her back on in the and within the next couple minutes while we're still trying to play the game here. So that happens occasionally. We are. Uh, working on that problem, getting her reconnected. But uh, thank you very much. I, I'm going to say, yeah, the Martin Luther, well, who knows if uh, if he's in hell. I think you could uh, reasonably say that uh, he certainly lived a life that would uh, land somebody in hell, you know, destroying the church, um, causing great schism in the world and promoting bad ideologies and morality. Yeah, that, I, would, I would argue that that would be not ideal. Uh, Denise, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, hi. There you go. You're back. You're back. We uh were struggling to hear you there for a second. Uh let's jump into the second question. We're uh running low on time now, but uh I think you're gonna be able to get these right. We gave you the first one. We I assume that you decided yes, Martin Luther was the correct answer. But let's jump into question number two, okay. Tito. The question is very easy. This is mm-hmm. a very easy question. The question is, what is mortification? Oh
4: goodness gracious, yeah. <laughs> Uh, when uh, as taylor says when he's adulting got a book got a, a house so when the mortgage on the parish church expires when
3: the mortgage on the parish church expires yeah all right denise 15 seconds on the clock the question is what is mortification well i think tito heard mortgageification, and he said <laughs> when the mortgage on the parish church expires what say you denise
2: well, that was a funny answer,
3: but I say no. She says no. Probably not right. That is correct. correct. It is not when the mortgage of the parish charge expires. In fact, it's acts of self-discipline, including prayer, hardship, austerities, and penance. So you're two for two so far. Yep. I'm looking at this. And the third question here, I think you're going to be able to get this one, too. So are you ready for question number three? All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Question number three, Tito. Okay. What is the term? For the square cloth, which the priest uses to cover the chalice, and he matches it, the material and designs of the vestments.
4: Okay, so it's a a square cloth, it's a chalice, and it's covered, chalice
3: veil. Yeah, that's pretty on the nose. Yep. Yeah, it's a covering the chalice, and so it's veiling it, Mm -hmm. and it's on the chalice, so it's a chalice veil. Okay, I see what you're going with. I see how, what as, you're as thinking is. As opposed to a chalice mantilla. Right, that makes sense. Uh, Denise, 15 seconds on the <laughs> clock. What is the term for the square cloth which the priest uses to cover the chalice and matches the material and designs of the vestments? Whew, that's a long question. Uh, Tito seems to think it's chalice veil. What say you? Is he right or is he wrong? Uh, I think it's something else, but I
2: don't remember the
5: name, so I
3: have to say no. She's going to go with no. Oh, Denise, that one is, uh, in fact, correct. It is The chalice veil is the correct answer. But don't worry, Denise, you got two out of three. You got two out of three. The chalice veil is a square cloth that covers the chalice. But you, uh, you did pretty good. You did pretty good, all things considered. Uh, despite the phone problems, we yep. were able to uh, still get you in the coffee cup of Divine Providence twice to win this week's prize. So Congratulations. All right. Thank you so much. Well, absolutely. Well, make sure you stay on the line. We're going to put you on hold, and Tito's going to go and get your contact information. So if we draw your name on Friday, we can able to send you the prize from Sophia Institute. But God bless you. God love you. Have a safe trip home.
2: All right. Thank you, guys.
3: Absolutely. i am put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. We're going to be heading into our after show. You can join us on YouTube. I don't know where else you could join us because... um, there apparently we're having issues in our streaming platforms, which we got to get that nailed out. So we'll see you back at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Or we'll see you back on the after show. If you can find us, uh, check us out and see if you can uh, hunt us down. And we'd love to interact with you directly. Um, God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you very soon.
7: the Holy Mass live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Wednesday of the 12th week in Ordinary Time, the Memorial of St. Irenaeus. This Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers.
10: I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey.
6: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all
7: and with your spirit
6: let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries I confess to Almighty God and to you my brothers and sisters that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault through my fault
9: Lord, have mercy.
10: Christ, have mercy.
9: Christ, have mercy.
10: Lord, have mercy.
9: Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who called Bishop St. Irenaeus to confirm true doctrine and the peace of the Church, Grant, we pray, through his intercession, that being renewed in faith and charity, we may always be intent in fostering unity and concord. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen.
2: reading from the second letter of saint paul to timothy beloved pursue righteousness faith love and peace along with those who call on the lord with purity of heart avoid foolish and ignorant debates for you know that they breed quarrels a slave of the lord should not quarrel but should be gentle with everyone able to teach tolerant correcting opponents with kindness It may be that God will grant them repentance that leads to knowledge of the truth, and that they may return to their senses out of the devil's snare, where they are entrapped by him for his will. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The mouth of the just murmurs wisdom. The mouth of the just just murmurs wisdom. Trust in the Lord and do good, that you may dwell in the land and be fed in security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will grant you your heart's requests. The The mouth mouth of the just just murmurs wisdom. wisdom. Commit to the Lord your way. Trust in him, and he will act. He will make justice dawn for you like the light. Bright as the noonday shall be your vindication. The mouth mouth of of the just murmurs wisdom. The mouth of the just man tells of wisdom, and his tongue utters what is right. The law of his God is in his heart, and his steps do not falter. The mouth, the mouth of, of the, the just, just under wisdom.
10: Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. the lord whoever remains in me and i in him will bear much fruit alleluia,
0: alleluia,
10: alleluia.
6: the lord be with you
7: and with your spirit
6: a reading from the holy gospel according to john
7: glory to you o lord
6: Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and said Holy Father, I pray not only for these But also for those who will believe in me through their word So that they may all be one as you father are in me and I in you That they also may be in us That the world may believe that you sent me and I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one I, and them, and you, and me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the world may know that you sent me, and that you loved them, even as you loved me. Father, they are your gift to me. I wish that where I am, they also may be with me, that they may see my glory that you gave me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world also does not know you, but I know you, and they know that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will make it known, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord.
7: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
6: What a wonderful and glorious doctor and father of the Church. We celebrate today St. Irenaeus of Lyon, who at the time was opposing different heresies that would take things out of context. Marcion took the Old Testament out of the context of the New, and we know that St. Irenaeus uh, did battle, doctrinal battle with with him, and also with the tendency of brokenness, of human brokenness, to take things out of context. And to heal this, he put this in the context of the sacramentality that is the the hierarchical and sacramental nature of the church. And the, the church is read in light of the analogy of the Trinity. I say analogy because an analogy or parable has two dimensions, a unity and a dissimilarity. It is like a thing, but it is not that thing. So it reveals a different side of that. That is a manifestation of the Most Holy Trinity Himself, that the Father is not the Son, but they are one. And this is the way of human understanding. This is also the way that we are called to holiness in the church today. Do not take things out of context. Every time you see another human being, you see them in the context of the love of God for them before the foundation of the world. If you want to look at a prelate, a bishop, or a pope, look at them in the context of every other pope, and every other bishop. You don't take them out of context. This is incredibly important because if you do, if you understand this Catholic hermeneutic, which can be boiled down to context, and the Catechism of the Catholic Church points that out, a threefold context of the analogy of the whole of Scripture, the analogy of faith or sacred tradition, and within the teaching of the Magisterium the scripture tradition and magisterium, you read everything according to that light, what emotionally happens, or you could call it an ecclesiastical disposition that happens in a person, is they begin to pursue righteousness. They look with purity of heart. There's a stability in their perceptions and their judgments, especially about the church, that Are so, they go to the the depths of the foundation before the foundation of the world. That kind of love. That is the holiness that you are called to, and that is also the need you have to heal the disunity in the church. And what is where people are taking that out of context. To practice this on a very practical level, look at your spouse in the context of your union. With Jesus Christ if your children ask you to do something just pretend Jesus is the one who is asking you you are be responding to an invitation of love if your brother or sister is asking you for something or if they are you know if there's some kind of invitation there treat it in the context of love and that God is eliciting or Uh, pulling out of you or inviting you to a new kind of love. And if you do that, again, the stability, the peace that you have in your interactions with other people, you won't be an agent of agitation or disunity or discord or just somebody who is another lost person. You will be someone who binds up, someone who brings forth unity, a peace giver, a sower of unity, And that is what you're called to do. And ask, we ask Jesus in his, and according to St. Irenaeus, the Eucharist is the stability of the church. We ask Jesus in the Eucharist to give us this kind of context, to look at everyone in the love of God that was loving them before the foundation of the earth. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth as a people made one in the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For this we pray to the Lord.
7: Lord, hear our prayer.
6: We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that as successors of St. Peter and the apostles, they may shine forth as sowers of unity, of servants of divine love. For this we pray to the Lord.
7: Lord, hear our prayer.
6: We pray for government leaders, that they may not enact laws that are inimical to human dignity. We pray in a special way for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. For this, we pray to the Lord.
7: Lord, hear our prayer.
6: We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, the forsaken, the lost. In particular, we pray for all Catholics who have decontextualize their faith that may be brought into deeper unity and that any time we see any form of human misery we may respond with generosity and love for this we pray to the Lord
7: Lord, hear our prayer
6: we pray for the, all of our beloved dead that they may enter the Father's eternal glory, we pray to the Lord
7: Lord, hear our prayer
6: Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us when we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ And through the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Virgin Mary, as we pray together, Hail Hail Mary, Mary, full full of of grace, grace, the Lord Lord is with thee. Blessed blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen.
10: Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be not to me save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping. Thy presence my light Be Thou my wisdom And Thou my true word I ever wish
6: Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father.
7: May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church.
6: May the
9: sacrifice we offer you with joy on the heavenly birthday of St. Irenaeus bring you glory, O Lord, and instill in us a love of the truth, so that we may keep the church's faith inviolate and her unity secure. always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. Erinus you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life, teach her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints We sing the hymn of your praise As without end we acclaim
10: Sanctus, Sanctus Sanctus Dominus Deus Abaot Plenis Gloria Tua Hosanna in excelsis
0: Benedictus
10: qui in nomine domini hosana in excelsis.
6: You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise, for through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with Saint Irenaeus, Saint Polycarp, and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are with your son in death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died, and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you after passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages, and praise you without end, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good.
9: Through him and with him and in him, O God, almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honour is yours for ever and ever.
10: Amen.
9: Procepte salutare bus moniti et divin institutioni formati audemus dicere. Pater Nostrum, quines in Cedis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in incedo et in terra. Panem nostrum quoten da nobis Et miten nobis, mitan nostra, sicur et nos mitemus, dae toribus nostris, et noso synducas in tentatione, sed libera nos
6: Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress Be with you always,
7: and with your spirit. On your stay, Quit holy
10: specata mundi, me sad and all bees. On your stay, Quit specata mundi, me sad
6: Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the wedding banquet of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the
9: word, and my soul shall be healed.
6: Communion Antiphon. Remain in me as I remain in you, says the Lord. Whoever remains in me, and I in him, bears fruit in plenty.
7: For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally,
10: O Jesus, we adore Thee, who in Thy love divine conceal Thy mighty Godhead in forms of bread and wine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, All praise and all thanksgiving Be every moment thine.
9: Let us Through these sacred mysteries, we pray, O Lord, give us in your compassion an increase of that faith which brought glory to the Bishop St. Irenaeus as he maintained it even and until death. And may the same faith bring to us who truly follow it justification in your sight through Christ our Lord. Amen.
6: The Lord be with you.
10: And
7: with your spirit.
6: May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ.
7: Thanks be to God.
10: Soveregina, mater misericordiae, vita dulce do, et spes nostra salve, a te clamamus, Exules fidee atesuspiramus, o at gementes et flentes in oclo lacrimarum vale. Eheu arcum advocata nostra, ilos
6: the Prayer to Saint Michael Saint Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.
5: Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord.
2: Spreading the splendor of truth.
6: This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your souls.
9: Hi, I'm Ethan from San Luis Danesheaton Catholic. Church.